He said, you're going to be preaching tomorrow night? I said, maybe. I'll probably do more crying than I'm going to do preaching. Amen. Man, just uh, so unworthy. So undeserving. That with this high, heavenly, holy calling, God would use people like us to preach his precious word. I think tonight we just need to exalt Jesus. Amen. I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony and give you a message I believe the Lord has me to give you tonight. I've got a display. I've got prayer cards and website. Uh, I've got two books left, and I've got a sign-up sheet, so if you want one, sign up. And the book is entitled, At the Crossroads of Life, Where Are You, God? I was senior pastor, First Baptist Church of Germantown, Ohio, and God's got a sense of humor. Send an Italian New York ex-mafia kid to Redneck, Ohio. <laughs> Amen? And, uh, but I loved it out there. I just, you know, when you're in God's will, it doesn't make a difference where you are. If you're in God's will, there's a peace that passes all understanding. Amen? And I can tell you right now, church, you're in God's will being right here tonight. And uh, so... My wife of 40 years uh, had a major stroke in October of 2016 while we were in, in Virginia visiting my oldest son. And uh, the doctors uh, told me the second day, um, your wife's not going to make it. Just prepare your family. you got about two days, and that's about it, but she's not going to make it. We normally would like to open the scalp up and, and put a net on there, let her brain expand, but she's on blood thinner, so either way, she's, she's going to pass away in, in two days. All right, Lord, where you at? Uh, she's my soulmate. She's my life. We got a grandson coming. What are you doing? I need her. I can't pastor without her. Amen. People who say, Brother Ted, God used you to get us here, but God used your wife to keep us here. Amen? Right. Sometimes my hot Italian temper would mess things up. Aren't you glad that God knows how to forgive? And, right. and then he forgets. Yeah. He, he puts in the deepest part of the ocean. Well, make a long story short, I had all our family come from New York and Ohio and we were going to have a special prayer meeting, but the next morning, about 3.20, I'm in my devotions. That's why it's so important to spend time with the Lord in the morning and the evening. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big uh, pusher of morning and evening devotions. I think that's the key of being a victorious Christian in this wicked world we're living in. About 3.20 in the morning, I'm in the book of Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 and 8. I get to, and, and all of a sudden, as I'm, I'm praying there in a little nightlight, the Lord says, be strong, fear not, I will not fail you, I will not forsake you. All right, I get to verse 8, same thing. I said, all right, they're telling me she's going to pass away in a couple days. And I'm, gonna, I'm not just singing this promise, I'm standing on this promise, because all I got right now is your word, compared to what they're saying, please don't let my wife die here, Please. Please raise her up. I know you can do it. Right. You did it before. And you could do it again. Please. Yeah. The next day, those doctors come in, and, and he's shaking his head a little bit, saying, well, 
we got one more day and her brain is kind of stabilizing, but tonight will probably be the night, so prepare your family. And I'm smiling at him like he's looking, this guy's kind of losing it, amen? So I know what the Lord told me. So as he left, I had the family together. I said, look, we're not, I'm not giving you just five minutes of peace now because I know the last thing to go is her hearing. I said, we're going to lay hands on her. This is what God showed me. I'm not taking your mom home in a box. I'm taking her home with me. You believe this book? Say amen. amen. So we prayed. Next morning, there's a team of doctors come in, and the head of neurology come in. He said, I've been here 37 years. I've never seen anything like this in my life. Your wife's brain is one millimeter and is shrinking, and she's going to be fine. Your wife is very lucky. I said, no, no, wait a minute, doc. She ain't lucky. She's blessed of God. I know what God told me about 3.20 in the morning. I know what you told me two days ago. My God is a God of miracles. My Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thank God I'm one of his servants. I'm just a bread boy for Jesus. I told preacher, I love his accent. I love listening to him. Man, I was praying next to him over here last night, and I just love hearing him speak. And when we were on the phone, I was letting him do most of the talking. Amen? Because you could tell I'm from New York. I'm Italian, so you could tell I'm not from the South. But, man, you could tell he's from the South. Amen? I said, man, you're a cornbread preacher all the way. I said, well, when I get there, they're going to hear some garlic bread preaching. Amen? God be glorified. Well, anyway, God raised her up. But then uh, the doctors came in and said, look, we're going to put her down in a step-down unit, and we're going to rehab. You're going to be here quite some time. I said, no, I can't stay here. I've got to go back to Ohio. I'm, I passed their church there. I can't, I can't stay here. He said, well, she won't survive the ambulance run on a life support system. It's just too long, too hard for her. You'll have to fly her home. I said, no problem. My oldest son could drive my Explorer home. I'll get two one-way tickets. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. You have to hire a, a private medical jet with two medical personnel and two pilots and our, our life support system. Otherwise, she ain't going. That's all right. Now, my daughter-in-law up in Ohio, she's the director of five hospitals. I call her. I told Amanda what I needed. To make a long story short, she calls me back within an hour. She says, Mom is already a uh, patient. She's already registered at Miami Valley Hospital in Dayton, and here's the transport company. Give him a call. So I called the guy up, and he said, yeah, I can come Friday at 11 or 3. I said, 3 o'clock. I said, how much? He said, $13,800. He said, but if you pay it off in 30 days, I take 400 off. Wow, okay. <laughs> hey, what's the matter for you? Whoa, hey, oh, yeah. I said, all right, I'm going to give you a credit card. So my other niece in New York, she starts a GoFundMe program. Aren't you glad God provides what you need when you need it? In two weeks, $15,000 was raised. And I flew my precious wife home. But then she developed, and she had it when she was there. She had cancer in her lung. And August 1st, 2018, she went home to be with the Lord. I tried to pastor for about a year, and I was just so full of grief. I had no joy whatsoever. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Amen. Now, Satan can't get your salvation, but he can certainly get your joy. And so I just kind of stepped out by faith, and I kind of said, Lord, do you want me to work at Bass Pro or Walmart? What do you want me to do? And I knew the Lord was still calling me to preach, so I was just going to get missions and evangelism. And 
Then I got a call from a friend of mine who's the president of Roma, a mission outreach to the gypsies of the world. He's a converted gypsy, Walter Stevens. He said, I want you to pray about coming on board to help us to be a missionary evangelist field rep. As I prayed, God opened the door, and so I started mission evangelism. I started with Roma. But then I wasn't getting the vaccine. For those of you who got the vaccine, that's between you and the Lord. I wasn't getting it because two doctors told me not to. Amen? And so the traveling uh, plans were canceled three times. Romania, we couldn't get through Ukraine. And my wife's, of course, I got remarried three years ago. I'll tell you about that at the end. And then my wife's church on Tuesday night had a gypsy church. They shut it down. They never come back. I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I just can't be traveling and playing a video and boasting about a man. I need to tell people about Jesus. And so in our church, I was doing a grief share ministry. And one Wednesday night, we presented to the church. And that next morning, God began moving in my heart. And there's such a need in churches, especially. Because I know there's people in this church, you got a broken heart. Right. You're grieving. And you're trying to get through it. But you never get over it. When you lose a loved one, like a wife or a husband, a spouse... Two and a half years, three years before you get through it, but you don't get over it. I said, Lord, I'm never going to date. I'll never get married. I can't find a replacement. There's no way. She was the ultimate, Proverbs 31, lady. I said, and I would tell my friends, don't set me up on a private date. I'm not going on Christian Mingle, Christian Tingle, Christian Single, whatever that was. I'm not going on there to find it. I said, Lord, if you're going to find me a wife, you need to put her right in front of me. I'm not looking. January 26, January 26, 2020, Ralph Sexton was our, our speaker at the church. And where was Darlene sitting, me, sitting that day? She was sitting right in front of me. And I went to just visit the church. Make a long story short, since she was the one sitting in front of me, I said, you want to get married? He said, yes, yeah. so we got married right there. <laughs> no. No, we just became friends and it just developed. I don't believe you fall in love. I believe you grow a love. Right. And God put us two together. God put two broken people together and called us into this ministry of grief recovery outreach ministry to help broken people. And it's okay not to be okay. Amen? You know, I think about Jesus when he got to the tomb and he knew why he was coming there in John chapter 11. He was going to raise him from the dead, right? It was going to be a celebration, a jubilee time like they'd never seen. But man, when Mary got there, she's weeping. Everybody's weeping. He was surrounded by grief. The Bible says in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Right. He wept. Right. It's okay to cry. Yes, sir. It's okay to cry because one day you won't be crying no more. Right. Yeah. Revelation 21, 4. And so now I'm a missionary evangelist. I'm on deputation. I'm trying to raise support. And I need your prayer. So make sure you get one of those prayer cards and pray for me. Are you guys ready to hear the message now? Amen. All right. Here we go. By the time you leave this building tonight, you will never, ever see an M&M package the same again. Everybody good? Say amen. amen. Now, I like peanut butter. I like, if you don't like peanut butter, you're just not right with God. That's, that's, that's that simple. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Amen. I enjoy being with your pastor, and thank you, uh, for that wonderful gift basket in the room. I mean, you name it, there were snacks in there. I got enough till Jesus comes. Amen. 
Some good stuff in there. Your precious wife, man, she's a gift. Listen, you have a good man of God here. You just don't have a good man. See, there's good men in churches, but you have a good man of God. You got a preacher, a pastor. You got a good man. There's no doubt. There's not many like him. I've been in a lot of churches the past three years. There's not many that have prayer like he had prayer with his men back there in that room. I'm serious. There's not many doing that. My Bible says to pray without ceasing. I think he took that for serious. Amen? Well, we're going to look at two sisters, Mary and Martha, in Luke chapter 10. And I want to share with you how we need to be Eminem Christians. Let's begin the message in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went, the, that he, meaning Jesus, they, the twelve disciples, and he, Jesus, entered into a certain village, that would be Bethany, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Good move, Martha. Hospitality. Jesus came knocking on that door. You opened that door and let him in. Let me ask you a question. If the Lord came to your house tonight, knocked on the door, are you ready to let him in? You ready? You better be ready because he's coming. Sooner than we think. Verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him, came to Jesus, said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day that we've already had in your house, the wonderful singing, the worship, Lord, the messages and music, the message from the man of God this morning that really challenged all of us and touched us. Lord, I need your help tonight. You know I can't do this without you. I'm, I'm nothing without you. I don't deserve to be here. And yet you put on Pastor Mike's heart to have me here for this time, this hour, with this message. So... You take over, move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross, and Lord, I just want to lift you up. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for all the promises. You said that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, and nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. As we take a look at this, I want to compare these two sisters and I want you also to kind of look at them and see where you fit in. Life can get really busy. I know being in the ministry when I first became pastor of Germantown, I thought I'd have to take the world in Germantown and just save it all by myself, and I was just burning out. And ministry could do that to you. Right. That's why you need to come apart for a while before you come apart for a long time. Right. But life in general will do it to you. And so... Life can get busy and hectic at times, and too much activity often hides the presence of God and the peace of God. That's why you need revival, right. and that's why you need a time of jubilee. Amen? Right. Right. The peace of God, and it dulls the hearts and sensitivity to the Lord, like we'll see here in our message today. The first thing I see here as I look at these two sisters, <coughs> I see a difference in their focus. You know, when COVID hit, man, I'm telling you, the focus was off Mark 16, 15, and the focus was on COVID-19. Right. I mean, I was on deputation on my way to Jacksonville, got a call from the pastor up there, Pastor Reister, says, hey, we're canceling service, and it's a mess. He said, but you still come. I'll, I'll be here. I'm going to film you. My wife will be here. It'll just be us three. 
And sure enough, when I got there, he was there right in the middle with, with I had a priest to a phone. Son, priest to a phone. His wife was sitting there. There was nobody in the church. It was just the weirdest thing. Mark 16, 15 is still in the book. Amen? So I want to take a look at their focus. If you take a look now in verse number 39, and of course Martha received the house. The Bible says in 39 that she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. Where was Martha's focus, church? It was on me. It's all about her. Amen? And when you get that kind of heart, it's all about you, you're going to have an attitude problem. And you're going to have a complaining spirit. And you're going to murmur, and God hates that. And here she is. She's having a pity party and comes to the Lord. And because of her focus is on her, she's got a problem. Number one, look what she says. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me alone to serve alone? Wait a minute, Martha, your focus is not even on the Lord, it's on yourself. And now you're falsely accusing Jesus of not caring? If there's anybody in your house that cares for you, nobody cares for you like Jesus. In fact, he's going to prove that when he hangs on the cross and suffers and shed his blood for you. But how dare you say Jesus don't care for you? No, I don't think Jesus is the problem. Martha, look in the mirror, the problem's staring you right back in the face. Amen? Amen. And then, this, this one gets me right here. Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. Oh, wait a minute. First, you're out of bounds. because you're, you're falsely accusing Jesus of not caring. Then you got the nerve to tell him what to do. Amen? Yes, sir. Yeah. Now, my wife tries to tell me what to do. And all she has to do is just kind of look at me a certain way, and I'll do it. Amen? Because a happy wife is a happy life. Right? But, guys, a happy spouse is a happy house. Amen? In fact, I got a GPS, and before I met Darlene, I had this lady's voice on there, you know, and and so when, uh, so I changed it. I got this Australian guy, and I called him Mick. And so I you know, started the ministry all alone, single, and so I kind of developed a friendship. I would talk back to him sometimes. Well, we got married. It's about six months into marriage, and I'm, I don't know my way around Florida, and I, I've always had my GPS on. I had Darlie in the car. We're driving somewhere, and she turned to me, sweet as can be. She said, she says, Ted, you don't, you, don't, you don't need that GPS on when I'm in the car. I said, I lived here all my life. She says, you, you could turn it off now. I said, babe, I really appreciate it, but Mick and I got this friendship going for about a year and a half. There's no way I could just cut him out of my life and just, she said, what are you talking about? (laughs) Hey, look, if you don't have fun, you're not a fundamentalist, amen? So we had a good time with that. But here we see Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Where was Mary's focus? It was on the Lord and on his word. Look at verse 39, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Let me tell you something, the most important thing you could do every morning before you get up is not check what's on Facebook. Good. Amen. Amen. Some of you need to get off of this thing. Amen. Reach out. Amen. You're addicted to it. 
morning, evening, start your day, end your day on this crazy thing. Do you know when you get all this, this time on this screen, do you know what it does to you? It interrupts your sleep pattern, at night especially. This is, this is not healthy. Good. The less time, and kids shouldn't be on too much of this either. Amen? Amen? So we see the focus is different. And what's, what's the problem here with, with Martha? She was cumbered about. She was distracted. She was overwhelmed with much serving, doing too much. I remember when I was staying at my sister's down in Florida in Palmetto, she was calling me in for supper, but I was right in the middle of a golf game. How could you be in the middle of a golf game being inside? Because I was playing on my phone <laughs> called Golf Crush. I was addicted to that game. Preacher, I spent so much time on that thing. I mean, I got into it. I mean, just something to cast, you know, pass the time. And she came in and she says, are you playing that stupid golf game again? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She says, it's, it's getting cold. I said, all right. So I shut off. And, you know, about two days after that, my devotions, the Lord really put me in conviction. Like this morning, if you were under, under conviction about that message, something ain't right somewhere. Amen? Right. I said, you know what? I need to get this golf game off my phone. I'm spending too much time in it, and it's not healthy. And I got it off. Amen? Amen? So I put Get another one on, but I got that one off, but I got a different one on. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, want, I need to do more praying than playing. Amen. In fact, 2024, we need to pray like never before. That's right. So here we see this, this Martha. She's covered about. She's distracted. She's overwhelmed with much serving, and her focus is on her, not on the Lord. So we see the difference in the focus. Mary, I could just see her. You know, when Martha said, my sister has left me alone. So evidently, (coughs) I could see the disciples coming in. Jesus, there's 13 of them. There's Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and, you know, they're talking. Martha, you know, there's, a, I guess, a meal in place. She's getting ready. All of a sudden, it got real quiet in the room. There's only one voice you hear. It's the voice of our Savior. And I could just see Mary take her apron off, sitting down at his feet, getting as close as she can looking up at him and hearing his word. Wow. What a focus. Amen? Amen. Jesus was her priority. With Martha, it was the serving. It wasn't the Savior. Amen? Amen. When you put other things ahead of Jesus, it's an idol. It's a distraction. It's overwhelming. And it could cause you to become like Martha and have a complaining murmuring spirit. Amen? Now let's take a look at the second difference of these two sisters. Their focus was different, that's for sure. Their fellowship. Again, in verse 40, but Martha was covered about much serving, came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter therefore that she helped me. Wait a minute, Martha, you're all alone. You're isolated. And that's what the devil wants. He wants you isolated from the fellowship of God's people, from the fellowship of his presence, from the fellowship of this book. Amen? From the fellowship right. of the... Martha, you're all alone. What are you, are you practicing social distancing when you shouldn't? Amen? She's all alone. And she's now falsely accusing Jesus that he doesn't care, telling him what to do. And she's all alone. She's isolated. She's not having no fellowship, number one, with her Savior, number two, with her brother and sister, Number three, with the church that's in her house. No fellowship. Now her focus is on herself. Now she's not having any fellowship at all. 
And now her heart is not sweet and loving and kind at all. In fact, I wouldn't want her to be a greeter in our church. Amen? Just see her face like she's sucking on lemons all day long. Amen? So here we see that. We're, how about Mary? Was she having fellowship? Oh, yeah. She knew it was time to take a time out. She knew it was time to take a break from the serving, to sit at the feet of the Savior, take a look at him, adore him, and listen to his word. Amen? Martha, I don't get it. You got the Prince of Peace in your house, and yet you have no peace in your mind. You have no peace in your heart because your focus is not on him or his word. Your focus is on yourself. You're all alone. You're not having any fellowship whatsoever with Jesus or your brothers and sisters or the disciples in your house. You're not having fellowship in church in your house. You're avoiding it. Something else is more important. Something and someone else is a priority. It's you. You're more important than Jesus. You're more important than his word. You're more important than fellowship of what's going on in your house. You got a problem, Martha. Amen? Fellowship. Mary was close to Jesus at his feet. We, we need to be saying close to the Lord. I, I love that song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. Mary didn't want to miss a word. And he had to say, Martha, Martha. She's all alone. Well, that was her choice. You made a good choice by coming here tonight. Martha received Jesus in her house and welcomed him. And what happened to the fellowship? Let me say, just like we shared this morning, the fellowship is up to us. The relationship is up to him. He keeps us safe. We never lose that relationship. Once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. That doesn't change. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. Everybody good? Say amen. But that fellowship depends upon you because the Bible says you need to draw nigh to God. And he's waiting. Amen? And so life can get so busy at times and draws our attention, our fellowship away from him. And, you know, I was thinking about how Satan deceives, he discourages, he distracts, he depresses, he distresses, he devours, he destroys. That's what he does. Satan loves to isolate us. That's one of the things you really need to be there. Like on my table, I've got this sheet. There's 160 normal responses when you grieve the loss of a loved one. 160. You look at that list, you say, whoa, I'm not going crazy after all. And some of the things we see Martha doing are some of the things people do when they're grieving. One of them is they get super busy. Like that's what I did when when Gail went home to be with the Lord. By the way, someone isn't lost when you know where it's at. And it's not goodbye. Because when I was at her bedside in, 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 in hospice, I didn't say goodbye. I said, I'll see you later. Amen. And so we need to understand when you, when you take a look at the, at the scripture here and Satan loves to isolate us from the Lord and keep us, keep us just alone, that's, that's not good. And so Martha was super busy. I know I was super busy. I mean, I, would, I know Brother John, he's got, a, he's got a brother named Terry up there and he's got property and it's up against hundreds of acres. And I used to love just taking a walk in the woods and hunt back there. And I would spend hours out there. And I would work maybe 14, 15 hours a day, spend some time in the woods. I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to go home to an empty house. Amen? Yeah, I so I kept myself super busy 
covered about with much serving and much hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Martha was isolating herself, cumbered about, distracted by much serving, too busy. You need a balanced diet? Well, you need a balanced life. Right. Amen? And so you see that she was so busy, then she was isolating herself. And, you know, when you lose a loved one, you don't stay home, away from church and your friends and your family. You need fellowship. And that's when you need church the most. Amen? And then, of course, if you're not right, you get bitter at God, you stop reading your Bible, you get this bitter complaining spirit just like Martha, that's, that's dangerous. And Satan's going to be real happy about that. Amen? You know, I think about Psalm 46.10 and where it says to be still and know they am God. There's time we need to be still. I think about John 4.23 when Jesus said, For the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and truth. Well, the Lord was just speaking and Mary was there worshiping him, listening to his word. And I could just see that her face just glowing in his presence. You know, here's the thing that gets me, and we need to learn from this. When Martha comes in, she doesn't say anything to her sister. She's talking to Jesus. Right. And Martha's sitting right there, listening to everything her sister's saying, really directed at her. Right. Does Mary get up and start arguing at all with her sister? She doesn't say a word. She lets the Lord take care of it. Sometimes the best thing you need to do is step back, be quiet, and give it to God. Amen? Because of God before you, who could be against you? Amen? And so, you see, their fellowship was, was different. And, you know, as I look at the last point here, not only their focus was different, their fellowship was different, but the way they were feeling was different. You know, pastors praying, and this is the week of Jubilee, revival, and you take a look at the history of Jubilee, and of course it all has to do with that ram's horn. They would blow it. Of course, it's once a year. It's a holy celebration. And when you're celebrating, you know, I, I look at some of these football teams and people are crying, excited, and the way they celebrate their win. I mean, they're having a good time. That doesn't last. Right. Do you realize our holy celebration is going to last forever when we get to heaven? Yes, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to feel something. I know we walk by faith, not by feelings, but I'm a Baptocostal. I know when God's moving in. Amen. And I'm thinking about the feelings. If you take a look in verse 41, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You're careful, you're nervous, you're overwhelmed, and you're troubled. Jesus knew exactly how she was feeling. Just like our, our preacher this morning, he knows our secrets. You can't hide a thing from God. Not a thing. Martha thought maybe... Jesus didn't know what was going on in her heart. He knew what was going on in her heart. She was troubled and careful and nervous and distracted and overwhelmed. He knows. Oh, he knows. And so Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And look, look what he says in verse 42. Here's the key. But one thing is needful. Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Martha's complaining to Jesus. 
Jesus commends Mary to Martha. I guess he ex- she expected Jesus to take her side and get Mary off from listening to him and get her where her sister was and break fellowship and break her focus off of Jesus. Good. Some people will do that. Right. This, this world will do that. That's why it tells you, love not the world nor the things of the world, because it'll right. break your focus, break your fellowship, Amen. and the feelings go with it. Amen. I don't feel like going to church today. Why not? Ah, no, I just don't feel like it. Well, what happened? It's not about feelings. You need to come more. Just like the pastor said, we need more church. Amen. Amen. Jesus knew Mary's heart and how she was feeling, and she was distracted. She was overwhelmed. She was careful and troubled about many things. Martha was anxious. She was spazzing out. She had no peace at all whatsoever. You know, I, was, I was, wrote this down here. Martha's feelings, her, her emotions, her attitude was troubled. Martha allowed herself to be distracted from Jesus. Her focus, her fellowship was lacking. She was pulled away by her work, which hindered her worship. Anything or any way could pull you away from Jesus and the worship. She needed a time out. Overworked, very tired, lack of sleep, very unhealthy to the body and to the mind. The study was done that people who get less than six hours of sleep will develop serious health issues. It's a known fact. And having a screen in front of your face constantly contributes to a steady flow of stress hormones in the body. Hey, church, how are you feeling today? Good. Good. You feel good today? We had a good day. You feel good tonight? That choir was hot tonight. Amen? I'm about ready to run around have me a Baptocostal fit and then run to that restaurant we ate at and then come back and see who was preaching when I got back here. Amen? No, I wouldn't do that. I was thinking about Martha. She was a worker, and bless God, you need workers. Right. You got to have them. But Mary was a worshiper, yes, sir. and worship needs to come first. Well, Martha was the worker, but Mary was the worshiper, and you need a balance. Martha was cumbered, but Mary was comforted. Martha was corrected by Jesus, but Mary was commended by Jesus, and Martha enjoyed perfect peace. Isaiah 26.3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. One thing is needful. That morning in September... Actually, it was a Wednesday night service, September 25th, 2019. I was getting ready to be sent out by my church as a missionary evangelist with Roma, with the gypsy ministry, and then evangelism, missionary ministry on my own, both. And the men were coming to lay hands and give a challenge. That morning in my devotions, that's why one thing is needful, and that's spending time with the Lord. How he confirms everything. In his word. And I was in the book of Hebrews, uh, Pastor Mike. I got the Hebrews verse 17 from chapter 13, and the Lord just kind of got a hold of me. And he said, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account. And for 20-something years, that's what I did. I was the shepherd of First Baptist Church. My, My responsibility was to watch for my people, to love them, to help them, to counsel them, to give to them, whatever it is, because one day I was going to give an account. One day this man of God, when he stands before the Lord, will give an account for everybody in this church. That's why you need to pray for him and his family every day. That's why you need to encourage him every day. 
support him and serve with him. Amen? Amen. It's important. It's not easy being in the ministry today. And so we see that, and, and I remember reading this scripture, and then the Lord got a hold of me, and it says, as they must give an account. Now watch this. This is why this book is so perfect. It's a supernatural book, by the way. It's not magic. It's just supernatural. Then as I continue reading, the Bible says, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy. Well, I didn't have any more joy. For a whole year, I was struggling and pastoring with no joy. But God confirmed this move out of being a pastor, which was a big decision. I wasn't stepping out unless God would show me. Well, when you step out of the will of God, you're going to be like a Joan in the belly of the whale. And I've, I've, done some, I've made some mistakes in my life in ministry, and I didn't want to make a bad move here. For the, and the Bible says that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Right. You say, whoa, let me tell you something. I had that that morning. God was confirming, yeah, you can't do this. You can't pastor with grief. You need joy. You don't have joy. You can't be pastoring with grief. Because the Bible says here, for that is unprofitable for you. How can I help my people when I'm the one needed help? Amen. How can I help those that are broken when I'm, I'm not just broken? I'm shattered. Yes. I'm broken beyond repair. Saturday night, I was praying next to your pastor here. God. As we were praying, God put this scripture on my heart while we were praying. The Holy Spirit spoke to me right, right here. You know, heaven came down and met me right there. Right there. Yes, sir. And guess who was kneeling next to me over here? God. That country boy right there. Amen. Amen. And this is God spoke to my heart here. You ready? He gave me 1 Corinthians 6. Yes. Verse 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? Amen. Right. Amen. And I said, Lord, for a couple of years, I know I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Yes. But then as I kept reading, and God put this one on my heart, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I said, Lord, I, 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 I don't know if I could glorify you anymore in my spirit because my spirit is broken. I've got a broken spirit. I am grieving. I'm mourning. I'm crying. I'm a mess. I'm about ready to give up my ministry. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I don't know, I don't know where you're at. You know, then I get into the Bible and then I read the book of Proverbs, verse, chapter 15, verse 13. It says, a merry heart. Make it a cheerful countenance. I didn't have too much to be cheerful about. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You got to be careful, man. You got to guard your heart. You're made of body, soul, and spirit. And that spirit, once it's broken, nobody can heal it but Jesus. He's the great physician. People use, they want to spend time with old granddad and Johnny Walker Red and Budweiser. Let me tell you something Budweiser ain't going to make you wise, it'll make you stupid. Amen. Then Proverbs 17, 22 says, A merry heart doeth good like medicine, yes, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Right. See, I knew what my problem was after a while when I was reading the book. 
When I read the great physician's book, I knew what my, my problem was. I had a broken spirit. Yeah. I knew it. Yes, sir. Psalm 34, 18 says, and this is the one that encouraged me, the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and saveth such as it be of a contrite spirit. Save me, God, save me, because I'm a mess. Right. Why, Lord, why? Anybody in here ever ask God why? I knew somebody on the cross asked that question. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? If he asked that question, you know we're going to. And you probably won't get an answer until you get to heaven. Then it won't matter. Amen? And then Psalm 147, verse 3 says, He healeth the broken in heart. And then Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, who's going to comfort you? The God of all comfort. Your pastor and his wife will help you and pray with you. Your church family are here to bring you comfort. This is the place to bring you comfort. It was August 1st, 2018. In fact, that's the day I was called to be the pastor of First Baptist Church of Germantown. 20 years before, 19 in hospice. My wife had cancer of the lung and spread to the brain and went through chemo and radiation and she had a couple of uh, gamma knife surgeries, brain tumors, and but it was too far gone. So we were in hospice for about three and a half weeks and I have a grandson on the way and I'm praying, asking God for two things. Lord, I want to be here when you take her because I know you're going to take her. I don't want to be home or at the church or sleeping because I stayed with her. I was her caretaker. Because when she had the major stroke, she lost the ability to speak in the right hand. And I kind of lost my wife then when you can't hear her speak to you anymore. That was tough. Second, Lord, we have a grandson going to be born in Virginia, and he's going to play a video. And I, she, really, she really needs to see that. And I, I, really, want, I really want her to see that. Well, that Friday, July 27th, Torn was born, our grandson. My son sent that video, and she was sitting up in the bed in you know, an inclined position and playing a video, and she, her right hand was down, her left hand, oh, okay, okay, okay. So God answered that prayer, one. That late afternoon, nurses came in, and she's looking at me, she's looking up there, she's looking at me, she's looking up there, I'm saying, what is she looking at? I didn't know what she was looking at. Then she's looking at the head of the bed, looking at me, head of the bed, I'm thinking, what is going on here? Then Saturday, she was in a coma. Sunday, coma, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, did not move whatsoever. Sitting up in bed, head down. I'd go home when the nurses come, get the mail, bring it back. And I'd stay right there with her all night on this cot. At about 8.20, her breathing started changing. I sat up in bed, started kissing on her. I said, babe, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Something's going on with your breathing. And I think the Lord may come for you today or tonight, so I'm not, I'm not going home. I'm staying right here. 
And her breathing changed a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, now she hasn't moved in five days. She lifts her head up. She, she opens those beautiful blue eyes. She's looking at me. And I'm thinking, I got a miracle. I'm taking my wife home. And Jesus kind of spoke in my heart and said, no, I'm going to take her home. So she's looking at me again. She starts looking at the head, the foot of the bed. She's looking at me, foot of the bed. I'm thinking, I know. There's two angels over there. I know exactly what you're looking at. I can't see the other side, but I know you can. Like Stephen saw the other side and saw Jesus standing up on the other side. My wife was looking, and I guarantee you there was two angels waiting for her. And she looked at me and looked over there. I said, you go ahead. Just knock goodbye, babe. I'll see you later. Two breaths. And the presence of God came down. And heaven came down and glory filled that place. And there was a peace that passed all understanding. And my Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now let me tell you why this is so important. Why it's this one thing is needful. Spending time with the Lord at his feet, in his word, on your knees, morning and evening, because I was struggling. I preached a funeral. One of the hardest things, but God gave me the peace and the message to die is gain, and I, that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Man, who knew her better than me? Who loved her more than me? Who was there with her the whole time? Me. But I was struggling. I was starting to get bitter at the Lord. And then it happened. I got into John 17, and John 17 got into me. And this is the last thing I'll share with you tonight. I was questioning God. I said, Lord, we have plans. We have a granddaughter, grandson now. I don't have a wife. I don't have a soulmate. I don't have anyone to help me at the church. What am I supposed to do? Why did you allow this to happen? I got into John 17, I got to verse 24, and God spoke to me as clear as clear can be. Jesus said, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Ooh, okay. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. I stopped right there. That was my answer. It's a point on the man wants to die. But for Christians, we don't die. It's eternal life. Well, when I read that, the Lord says, no, it was our time. There's no more suffering for you, your family, her. I want her up here with me where I am so she could behold my glory. She sang about me enough. She taught about me enough. She lived for me long enough by your side. As a great pastor's wife, a mother and granddaughter, she's coming home to behold my glory. Are you going to go home to behold his glory one day? Because you're going to see him. Will you see him as your Lord and Savior? Or are you going to see him as your judge? With every head bowed, every eye closed.